Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning and welcome to Glory Church Online. My name is Greg McKinney, and my wife and I are the lead pastors of Glory Church. And I have to tell you, I'm so excited that in a day and age uh, where, where chaos and fear and isolation happen, that the church at large can do this, go digital, meet in homes. And so thank you for joining us. As Davida said, this is our first ever online service, and I will tell you, we have no idea what we're doing. No idea at all, but what I do know is that God has and will and uh, will continue to move. Uh, he's providing freedom where fear has, has plagued people, and so I, that's my prayer as the weeks go on and on. If you are in a glory group right now, thank you so much for joining us together. What I mean by that is just we have small groups all throughout the city. Uh, maybe you yourself can build a small group over the next few weeks, but thank you for joining in at the end of each and every message, we're actually going to provide you with small group questions, ways that you can dive in deeper with your family, with your spouse, with your group. And so please take advantage of that. If you are just watching on your own from all around the world, thank you for being with us. I want to empower you as well. If you stick with us over the coming weeks, take ownership of your context, invite people in, have watch parties, and we'd love uh, for you to know that you're not alone. You have a community here with us at Glory Church. Well, for the past few weeks, uh, we have been going through a series, as Miss DeVita already said, uh, over the book of Daniel. We've been diving into it in a series called Daring. And I'm going to tell you, I, we could have not planned a better book to go through right now. Six weeks ago, we had no idea that a virus would come into our, our world. Um, but this book is all about courage and bravery despite crisis, having a daring faith that, that stands when everyone else sits, a daring faith that, that knows how to, to, take, when, uh, to take advantage of, of God's power, his, his provision in places that, that feel like uh, everything is out of control. I don't know about you, but that is our now. And so I'm so excited to continue diving into it. If this is your first time joining us, know that, uh, yes, we are in chapters four and five this morning, but you can actually find every single message on our website, and you can stream it anytime. Uh, it is glorychurchkc.com messages. So we'd love to just offer that to you, but do know if you're with us now, you do not have to know anything about the book of Daniel to dive in with us this morning. Um, as I said, we're diving into two chapters. That's a lot, but my hope is that we can uh, do so slowly. I will narrate um, some of the text, and you can read some of it below on the bottom of the screen. Um, I'm excited. But before we get into it, I love to provide the morning's truth, the, the big, if you can remember anything, remember this principle. And so it's this, if you're taking notes this morning, uh, I encourage you to do so, write this down. A daring faith is dependent on surrender. A daring faith, the courage to stand these coming weeks as everyone is, is, is worried and fearful, that faith, that kind of courage, the bravery needed uh, to, to, against all odds, not compromise in your marriage over the next few weeks. Uh, the, the faith needed to, to keep believing that God will provide even as your job maybe gets, uh, gets lost. That kind of faith, it will be today and tomorrow dependent on surrender. 
And I will tell you, in times of crisis, when, uh, when everything that we had planned falls to the wayside, when we are out of control, when we feel out of our element, when we have responsibilities shoved on us that we weren't planning, it is really hard to surrender. Right. In fact, my own family, uh, this past week we have uh, now four kids constantly in our home versus the two we typically have because school is out. I'll tell you, when things are out of control, it is really hard for us to surrender. Instead, in our flesh, we love to grip, grab hold of, control. Uh, We we love to cling to, we love to fight, to prove, uh, to strive. And I will tell you, the moment that I, I, I do not surrender is the moment that my faith gets deflated. And I'll tell you, even as a pastor, I am so quick to control than I am to surrender. I am more quick to, to grab and force my way or my opinion than I am to surrender. And each and every time I do that, my faith gets deflated. My hope, my sense of, of, of anticipation that God is doing something uh, gets overlooked by my fears and worries as I grip, I cling to. And so we will dive into two stories and see that at work uh, this morning. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do so because I believe that your marriage needs a little bit of surrender. I believe that your family needs a little bit of surrender. I believe that your faith needs a little bit more surrender this morning. And so we are, as I mentioned, in two chapters. But to help us framework it, uh, that it makes up two stories of two kings in two very different scenes. All right, so we have chapter four, and it's going to follow King Nebuchadnezzar. If you've been with us, uh, that name is familiar. King Nebuchadnezzar is the guy who, who took over Jerusalem, who through Babylon's power besieged. Uh, they captured Jerusalem, and he forced all of the noblemen, including our hero Daniel, uh, into his palace. That's King Nebuchadnezzar. The guy who last, uh, in the past few weeks, uh, tried to murder Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. So story one will focus on King Nebuchadnezzar. And the, the scene of it is a dream. But then our next story in chapter five actually follows another king, his son, Belshazzar. And the scene of that is very different. It's this elaborate party scene with a lot of wine, concubines and the whole city of Babylon and so two very different scenes very different kings but I'm going to show you that this line of surrender is going to be found in each of it uh, each of the of the books each of the chapters and so as we get into this first one it is from a perspective that we have not experienced. If you've read the book of Daniel at all, uh, it, it is going to be read from a perspective that you and I are unfamiliar with. We're, we're used to this outside perspective or we're used to Daniel's perspective. But this morning, chapter four is in King Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. And, and it's insane that he's reading and, and speaking this. So we're going to dive into it this morning. At the very beginning of chapter four, it says this. Nebuchadnezzar writes, it is my pleasure to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders of the Most High God, what he has performed for me, how great are his signs, how mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom, and his dominion endures from generation to generation. And he continues to go on with his story, but I just want to pause This is not the same King Nebuchadnezzar that we have known for the past three chapters. This is not the same King Nebuchadnezzar who said that he was going to rip apart limb by limb anyone who does not provide him with the answer to his dream. This is not that guy. 
In fact, his whole demeanor has changed. I don't know about you, but whenever I, I see transformation like that, it gets, me, uh, it gets me emotional. It gets me what happened. In fact, this is the first time that the phrase most high God is ever written in the book of Daniel, and it's from a pagan king. I don't, I don't know about you, but that, that causes me to wonder what happened to this man. And then the story that follows is, I will be honest, one of the most beautiful salvation stories. Uh, It is raw and real, and Nebuchadnezzar is vulnerably telling it to us. And so as he continues, uh, he's about to tell us of a dream that he had. And so scripture says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous, and I had a dream that made me afraid. He says that I was lying in my bed and the images and visions that were pouring and passing through my mind, uh, they made me afraid. And so he calls like like he had before, he calls Daniel into his palace and he he voices the dream. And you can read it on your own this week. Uh, It is a long telling, but I'd love to paraphrase it for you. He said that as he was dreaming, he saw this tree. And the tree was growing and growing and it became taller and taller. And it was in this, this land where all of a sudden all you could see was the tree. And it became stronger and stronger and the base became thicker and thicker. And its branches stretched out far and wide. And all of the birds of the air and the, and the animals in the land found home in it, residence in it. And then it became abundant for fruit and it provided blessings. And it was this glorious image in the land. And then he says to Daniel that instantly a holy one spoke and spoke a decree over the tree and said that this tree will be cut down. And instantly he sees as the tree is cut down that that its stump is chained up with, with bronze and silver and a decree is spoken again that it will remain like this for a while, a time, and in Scripture actually writes that, that the Holy One speaks and it changes the, the pronoun use of the tree. And now it says, let him be drenched with dew. Let him live with the animals. Let his heart be changed from that of a man and let him be given a heart of an animal until seven times pass for him. And then the dream is over. And we see in the text that Daniel is a little bit afraid to give the the king, uh, King Nebuchadnezzar, who has been angry, who has been rash, who has been irrational in all of his decrees. He's afraid to give him the interpretation, but he does. And it is this. He says, King Nebuchadnezzar, your enemies will love the interpretation to this dream because, King, you are the tree. God has given you power and might. He has allowed you to grow big and strong where everyone can look in the kingdom and see you. You have provided food for people. You have provided a place to stay. But but King, in your arrogance, you have forgotten something greater. And And Daniel speaks to the king and says, and so the Holy One, the Most High, has, has decreed against you that you will be driven away, cut out from your power, pressed away from Babylon, and you will remain there. And, and it actually goes even further. It says you will be given over as an animal. Uh, you will have no rationale and you will go irrational. Uh, and scripture says that seven times will pass until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign. But Daniel says, but take heart, uh, King 
You, you saw the, the, the stump be chained because do know it will be unchained. There will be a moment when your kingdom is restored, but it will be, and I love this. He says, uh, it will be restored when you acknowledge that heaven rules. That's what Daniel tells King Nebuchadnezzar. And like clockwork, Scripture tells us and history records that King Nebuchadnezzar was on his rooftop looking over Babylon, and he says this, is not this great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty. And Scripture writes that as the words were coming out of his mouth, a decree was made from heaven, the exact decree that followed his dream. And instantly, King Nebuchadnezzar was driven out of the land. Scripture says that uh, he, he became like an animal. His hair grew long. Kids, if you're in the room, this is insane. His nails became like claws, and instantly he lost his sanity. Uh, history tells us that King Nebuchadnezzar had a period where he was known as the mentally insane king of Babylon. And so he was, he was ostracized. He was cast out from Babylon and in the wilderness he remained. And so, though we get a piece of, of we, we already know this foreshadowing that a time will come when this will change, I just want to sit in on this. I, ha I wrote this down because I feel like it is, is very fitting with our time. That often the ugly that has been within our hearts is overlooked by the beauty that is in our current season of control. I'll say that again, often the ugly that has been lurking in our hearts is easily overlooked by us because we see the beauty of our current season of control. For Nebuchadnezzar, he had always been a beast. That man had always been irrational. He had always acted out of his, his passions, his carnal desires to be in control. But what he always focused on was the beautiful Babylon that, it, that was before him. What he always focused on was his plan, his schedule. And what he overlooked consistently was the dark, the sin, the, the, the ache of his own soul, what his fear, his insecurities were doing to him. And it's very interesting because I'll tell you in the same way we can allow so much schedule, so much movement, so much life to happen that we overlook the decay that is happening in our soul. We overlook the sin issues that, that go unconfessed, uh, the sin issues that, that we don't speak of. And as they foster in our soul, we are unaware of it all because we're focusing on the beauty of the season of control. But if you remember... In this story of the book of Daniel, we had a, a principle at the very beginning that when God wants to teach us a strength, a courage, a, a bravery, a faith that is outside of our current situation, when he wants to teach us something that is real and continual and everlasting, then he will often allow our comfort to crumble. And that's what he does. That's what he does for Nebuchadnezzar. He allows his comfort to crumble. And what happens during that time is the things that were deep inside begin to, to sprout out, to come out. When we are out of control, the things that were hidden inside tend to, to come out of us. So I'll, I'll even be honest with you. The past week, with my four kids in a home, uh, trying to, to keep life going consistently, I will tell you, it has been the most angry I have been. 
I have been lashing out in temper. Uh, and we can say that that's just because we're afraid. But if we're honest with ourselves, the way that we have been acting the past week, those aren't new things that have come out. Those are things that have been in us already, our fears, our doubts, our need to control. And because now we are in a place of crumble, we are becoming the beast outside that have always been hidden inside. In fact, maybe the past week you have struggled with lust like never before because uh, you're trying to find something to cling to. And these aren't new habits that are forming. These are things and issues that we often allow unaddressed in our souls. Maybe for the past, you, you and your wife have argued a lot. Maybe there's been more tension in your marriage. Uh, I will tell you over the next few weeks as you live in isolation, there's going to be sin habits and sin struggles that will peak up again like never before. And if we don't own the fact that this is real, that this is happening, then we'll be like Nebuchadnezzar, an outward display of the sin that we have not been confessing, an outward display of the sin that we've allowed to foster for the past few years. Um, so maybe it has changed the way that you view entertainment. Maybe the past week you've laughed at sin and you, you don't typically find it humorous or funny, but it is be already beginning to change how we think. I will tell you that this is something that our enemy knows all too well. When we lose control, when we struggle with fear, when we are in a place of uncertainty, he will allow us to cling to what has always been in because that feels comfortable. Even though we don't like it, every time I lash out in anger, I do not like it. But it is not something that happens in the moment. It is from something that has been in me forever, for a while. A sin struggle that has latched on to me. And so this is in all of us. So I just want to pause and ask, what is that thing? If you were going to do a look at your past week, what are the things that are starting to, to come out? What are the doubts, the worries, the lies, the fears, the actions that have been starting to, to bubble to the surface? And pause and ask, is it because... The, the coronavirus is here, or is it because this has always been here and I've just, I've just gone unmanaged with it? This is something that we need to dive into. And so though we know, though we know how this story ends, I want to hit on this. This is a practical truth, that it is hard for us to think rationally when the irrational suddenly happens. It is hard for us to think rationally when something irrationally happens. Take Nebuchadnezzar. It was irrational for him to think that his kingdom could be taken. It is an irrational thought that he would become a beast. Like, that's something we can't even wrap our minds around. But when it happens, it's hard for us to think rationally. Coronavirus, the, 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 the pandemic, the, the effects that it has caused, the, the ripple effects on our jobs, our schools, that was irrational to think of two months ago, right? We had no concept of it. But now that we are in it, Let's own the fact that it's hard for us to think rationally. We can't do it on our own. In fact, in a season of irrationality, we will struggle to be rational, to think clearly. And so we have to see something more. Like King Nebuchadnezzar, there will be a time when we have to look high to the heavens and say, heaven rules. But before we get into his conversion, I just want to transition and talk about our second story. If you remember, we're diving into two stories, chapter four and five of two kings with two different scenes. And so we're going to fast forward some time. 
Because King Nebuchadnezzar, though he came back to rationale, he had a son. And his name was King Belshazzar. And and chapter 5 happens sort of quickly. And instantly we're we're thrust into a scene of a party. And and King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, though he was a, a harsh man, King Belshazzar was known as a very evil king. In fact, he, he would throw these parties, and in the party scene that we have today, he invites all of his concubines and other men uh, from, the, uh, from Babylon, from the country, and he brings them in, and together, Scripture says, they worship the gods of silver, gold, iron, bronze, wood. Uh, and as they're worshiping, we cannot even imagine the depths of pain that is happening, uh, what is going on in the room. But one thing that I want to draw attention to is he wants to change the tone of this party, and so he actually takes the goblets of silver and gold uh, that his father took from the temple of Jerusalem, and he takes them, and that's what they use as they are worshiping these other gods. Uh, These goblets that were taken from the temple of our God, of Yahweh. And so it's a very interesting, very different party, but if you like ghost stories... You'll like what happens next, because instantly during the the scene, a floating hand appears. I don't know from what, I don't know where it got this writing utensil, but it it appears and begins writing on the wall four words, mene, mene, uh, mene, mene, tekel, parson. And on these these four words uh, spreads fear in, in King Belshazzar and everyone in the palace, everyone at the party. And so, like his father, he brings in the only man he can think of who has interpreted things like this. And so, once again, our hero Daniel is, is drawn up and given charge of interpreting this. Tekel, a word like they've never heard, parson, a word that they are so unfamiliar with, and mene. What does it mean? And so in front of King Belshazzar, Daniel again has to deliver some interesting news. He says to the king, O king, the Most High gave your father, King Nebuchadnezzar, power, ownership over his people. He gave him greatness and glory. Uh, And in this, the king's heart became proud arrogant. He did what he wanted. He wanted what he wanted. He stole what he wanted and kept what he wanted. And in that place, he says this, but when the king, is at chapter 5, verse 20, but when the king, his heart was lifted up and his spirit was hardened, hardened by acting so proudly, he was disposed of as a king. His glory was stripped away. And in verse 22, Daniel says this, and you, Belshazzar, his son, have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all of this. You have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and so he interprets it. Mene, mene. This word means God has numbered your days. Tekel. You have been weighed on the scales of judgment and it has not been in your favor. And then parson, it's a, a combination of two words. And it means that your kingdom will be divided between the Medes and the Persians. And it, a crazy thing happens. The story writes, chapter 5 ends abruptly because that night... King Belshazzar is killed, and the kingdom of Babylon is handed over to King Darius of the Medes. Instantly, this story ends, and though we can sit and think, why? I want to focus on the fact that we have one man, King Nebuchadnezzar, who who is living in, in evil and in pain and becomes the very object of what he always was, a beast, and his heart becomes humbled 
and he repents. In fact, if you want to read something powerful this week, read the ending of chapter four, because there is a moment when he looks up to heaven. Scripture says that he lifted his eyes to heaven and his heart was restored. That as a man, he became loved and knew and his heart, his whole outlook changed because he looked his eyes up to heaven and saw and believed and rejoiced that heaven rules. Not him, not he, not his kingdom, not Babylon rules, but heaven rules. And the, ble- the blessing of God was that he was restored. His heart, his mind was restored. But we see the opposite in King Belshazzar. He knew this story. He knew the, the, the surrender story of his father, yet didn't do it on his own. So I just want to pause and and take note of that. The surrender stories of those in our life cannot be and will not be our own surrender stories. Often we rely on what God is doing through other people as if it, through osmosis, is our own. But can I tell you what what God is desiring in this next uh, few weeks as we continue to see how this virus is going to change things? He's going to call people to surrender, and there's going to be great acts of faith all around you. But can I tell you, that has nothing to do with what God is calling for you to surrender. In fact, we can get so excited and, 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 and praise all the good things happening with other people and neglect the surrender that God wants to do in us. King Nebuchadnezzar changed dramatically, but King Belshazzar didn't. The surrender stories of your neighbors are not your surrender stories. God's going to call your wife to do some amazing things in this next season. But you yourself have to surrender. You yourself have to look up to the Most High and say, it is you who rules. It is your plan, your provision who will endure. It is not something that your, your, your family or your parents can do for you. Our surrender stories have to be something that we do. And so let me tell you right now, the faith that is needed to change will always be dependent on surrender. We see that the faith needed for Nebuchadnezzar to change was dependent on surrender. The faith that is needed, the the, the faith that, that will keep us standing as the world continues to spiral in fear, the faith that will cause us to do the unthinkable, the faith that will will cause us to, to, to get uncomfortable in powerful ways and glorious ways, it is dependent on surrender. So this morning, what is God asking you to surrender? This morning, what is it that King Belshazzar, where he hardened, what is it that you are going to let go of with open hands, uh, slowly but surely surrender? Because I will tell you, your fears and insecurities have taken you far away from surrender for far too long, right? If we're honest, your doubts and worries, your, your pride and your plan has taken you far away from surrender for far too long. And here we are in a place of crumble, of crisis, and we have the opportunity to notice what is going on and to submit and to surrender and to look up and say, heaven rules. So what is it? What plans? What bitterness? What desires? What actions is God asking you to surrender this morning? I actually want to end um, with praying through Scripture. This is a principle that I think we forget far too often in our life. 
praying through scripture that we have the ability to do so. So I'm actually going to pray through the praise, the, the, the blessing that King Nebuchadnezzar gives to God after he surrenders. So it'll actually be written and uh, below, and if you want to read it, uh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually pray through it. So you'll see some new words added into it. It's because we're, we want to bring God's word into our scripture. So that's how we're going to end this morning. Sound good? So scripture says this, that I blessed the Most High. So let's pray together. God, I bless you. You are great and glorious. And in my mind right now, I designate you as the most high. Uh, You are the most important. My plan, my fears, my worries, as I look to tomorrow and try to think about how I will provide, God, I surrender that because you are the most high. You are the ruler. You know what's going on, and I take delight in that. So God, I praise you and I honor you, for you're the one who lives forever. I, I doubt whether my job will live forever. God, I'm in, I'm in a doubt whether I can, I can endure forever with my kids. God, I, I live in so many places of worry and anger, but let me focus and honor you who endorse. God, it is your sovereignty, your power, your everlasting provision that will keep my family intact. Not anything that I can grip onto or control. It is your sovereign justice and hope that will keep this neighborhood seeing you over our fears. And God, your kingdom is the one that endures. From generation to generation, We are slowly seeing, God, I'm slowly seeing so many things fall away. But one thing I can know without a shadow of a doubt is that you endure. That tomorrow you will still be. That the next day you will still be. That the next day you will still be because your works are truth. You're providing justice. As our city is plagued with poverty, you are still moving with justice. And so God, let us see that. Let us focus on it. And we surrender so that we can step into it. In your name and for your glory, amen. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.